In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my guardian angel, intercede for me. As we approach the solemnity of Jesus' earthly father, his adopted father, by nature, his father is God the Father. By adoption, it's Saint Joseph, the husband of Mary. I habitually say to give help people give their friends, their family members, their parents a bit of slack, a bit of understanding. And I say only there's two people who are, I don't count Jesus, he's God, so he's perfect. I say there's two people who are without sin. Mary and Joseph. And the rest of us are definitely a work in progress. The church doesn't teach that St. Joseph is without original sin, so I'm not going to add to the church's teaching, that's for sure. But the tradition has it that after Mary, by grace alone, he's the greatest saint. Thomas Aquinas teaches that God gives you all the necessary graces for your particular mission. What more important mission is there than giving formation to the humanity of the Son of God. What more important mission is to teach, at least on a certain level, this incarnate God virtue? Because part of being human is to learn. We're not instinctual. Only animals are governed by their instincts, which is programmed by God. A human being needs to learn, needs to be educated, does not have infused, Jesus did, but on a certain level, he did not have infused experience, even infused human virtues. It's a bit mysterious, but Scripture says that he is like us in everything but sin. Jesus, that is. So he needed training. He needed correction, not because of sinfulness or weakness, but because that's the human condition. The human person, he's not a human person, the human, we'll call him a human being, needs, is by nature someone that improves, that learns, that gets better. And that's what Scripture says, that he grew in stature before God and man. So he, he got better as he grew up, as he was trained by Joseph. 
In those days, there was even more separation between the genders. Men would be hanging with men, women with women. In spite of 2,000 plus years, when I go to social gatherings, I, I notice that just eventually men hang out with men. They want to talk about basketball. They want to talk about sports, politics. And maybe the women want to talk about something a lot more concrete. Maybe a, a new recipe. There's only so much of that we can handle or a new form of exercise, or easy, user-friendly way of losing weight, whatever it is, but you know, we're into more global ideas. I mean, it's a stereotype. And so you see men hanging out with men and women with women. But that was even more acute in those days, even in, in the synagogue service. Your wife and your mother would be with women, and you and your sons would be with men. That's why when Jesus was lost in the temple, Joseph thought, maybe he's with Mary because he's not with me. And Mary was convinced that Jesus was with him because you had a separation of genders. The reason I bring that up is to reinforce the fact that Joseph spent a lot of time with Christ. Probably more time than any human being. In a certain sense, because of the custom of the time, even more than Mary. They worked together. They were in the same carpentry business. And hence, Teresa of Avila says that he's the master of the interior life because of his closeness to our Lord. Well, let's just look at the stature of Joseph. He is our immediate role model for a lot of reasons, especially in formative activities of Opus Dei, with the heavy emphasis on the role of the laity and the call of the laity to pretty serious discipleship. The church, in its inspired wisdom, perhaps around the end of the Vatican Council, determined, mandated, that Joseph would be inserted into the first Eucharistic prayer. And after Mary would come Joseph. The first string of saints is an all-star cast. And the most important is Mary, and then Joseph, and then Peter and Paul, and then the apostles, and then you know, down the line. The last four, one, two soldiers and two doctors. After the Blessed Mother, not only is he Jesus' adopted father, he's his greatest disciple. St. Augustine says that Mary, yes, is mother of Jesus, but even more than mother, she is disciple. We could almost say that about St. Joseph, even more than father, he's disciple, which does not negate the, their parenthood. A few years ago, I think it was a little bit of a combo, I think that was initiated by Pope Benedict, Pope Francis mandated that in all the Eucharistic prayers, St. Joseph be inserted. 
And so he, Mary and Joseph are always mentioned in all, now all the Eucharistic prayers, thanks to Pope Francis. We prayerfully ask you, Lord, why is he special for all of us? But I would say maybe a little bit more for you for a number of reasons. Just to give it a little bit of historical perspective, you know, recent times in the history of the church is 100 years ago. That's recent. But even much less than that. I'd say before the Second Vatican Council, the vision, the, the bar for the laity was not that explicitly high. Practice your faith, say your prayers, raise a good family, and hopefully some of your kids will go on to the religious life or the priesthood. But you're not expected to be so centered on the Lord as, I don't know, a Franciscan or Benedictine or a Jesuit. And obviously you're not expected to evangelize as much as the pastor or the archbishop or let alone the Holy Father himself. And the Holy Spirit is very, very much told we have to do some meditating and praying. The Holy Spirit is telling us, well, listen, look, look at this. The, the, the greatest male saint was not a religious. Not that we are poo-pooing religious life. That's a very high calling. He wasn't a priest. On the order of sanctity, he wasn't a regular guy, whatever that means. But in terms of job, family, lodgings, problems, regular guy. And so the, the, this great saint was a, was a husband and was a dad. The greatest is a mom and a wife. This man who existed over 2,000 years ago was socially insignificant. Oh, he's descendant of David. David lived a 1,000 years before Christ, at least. It's like one of us saying, well, you know, I come from nobility. In the year 1,000, my father, my great-great, you know, you know mentioned it the great-great 100 times, was a duke in, you know, somewhere in uh, northern France. I don't know if that's going to go over big. I don't think that's going to exempt you for paying your bill in a restaurant. I'm royalty. You're royalty to the degree you're connected to Princess Diana. All right? So anyway, David lived a thousand years before. But anyway, he was a descendant of David. So is Mary. And they didn't come from the priestly tribe of Levi, like John the Baptist. And they were, I would say in terms of lifestyle, I wouldn't say they were destitute, but they were poor. Poor enough that the hospital bed of their son was a crib, was a, was, um, a manger. And the room where he was born and where Mary and Ju Ju Joseph and Mary were present where it was a stable. 
in terms of work, well, well, Mary's big feast of the Annunciation is six days later, seven days later. What did she do? Well, she was a home wife. She was a homemaker. She washed. She scrubbed. She fabricated clothing. She attended to the sick. She cleaned her house. She did the shopping in the marketplace. You could see the Blessed Mother with the uh, container of oil or wine or water balanced on her head the way they used to do in those days. Joseph was revealed as a just man. In, in the original language, just. Very loaded word. Didn't mean he just paid his taxes or paid a just wage. Just means very holy in the eyes of God. And so that's the immediate description of the husband of Mary. He's a holy man. And those are the strong connotations just means. And then also he's denigrated a bit in the Gospels, not directly, as a mere carpenter. The, Jesus goes back to his hometown and they question his right to give uh, a sermon in the synagogue and they're kind of questioning him because he's just a carpenter and his father's just a carpenter and they're trying to figure out where he got these insights this wisdom this charism and so i could read a little bit here where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works is not this the carpenter's son so joseph is known as a worker uh, for our purposes, it gives tremendous meaning to our life to read these words. The original intent was not to give all of us so much meaning. The original intent was to be insulting. You're just a carpenter. You're, you're nobody. Uh, where do you get off with this wisdom? Is not his mother called Mary? Well, she's going to be queen of heaven and earth. That's nothing to sneeze about. And are not his brethren here, James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And are not all his sisters with us? Cousins were called brothers and sisters, so don't get, don't question the virginity of Mary. And, um, and Mark is, is very similar. Isn't this the son of the carpenter? For us, this is very positive, and we'll get a little bit in, into more detail. They're saying he is just the carpenter. And when we read this in Scripture, because there's always these multi-layers of meaning that are very personal, that the Holy Spirit is transmitting a profound message to us. Not only, he says, the Holy Spirit is saying, I am calling you to follow that template of St. Joseph of being a great saint carpentry or law or medicine or teaching or farming or auto mechanic or being electrician whatever whatever kind of work we're doing business is raw material to become a great saint and passing unnoticed 
because I know women talk more, have more vocabulary than men. I mean, psychologists have proven that. Sociologists have shown that with statistics. So, but there's no recorded word from Saint Joseph. There's words about him. They describe him. They describe his actions. They describe his sentiments. They describe his decisions. But there's no recorded word because what's the Holy Spirit doing? I mean, he could have put a recorded word. I'm sure he had a lot to say. I want to drive home that your calling in the middle of the world is of the highest level. Your calling as a, as a dad, as a grandfather, as a husband, I expect first-class sanctity. And you're, I call you, me, but a little bit different, not a layman, I call you to do what my foster father did. He brought me into the world. Not exactly the same, not the same way as Mary did. Very similar, but not the same way. Mary gave God, a, through the archangel Gabriel, which means the fortitude of God, a colossal yes. No, Mary did not incarnate God the Son. The Holy Spirit did. But Mary's yes occasioned the Holy Spirit to incarnate the Son of God and ultimately break him into our world. And Joseph also had to do something very similar. He had to get Christ ready to be in our world. He got Christ ready for his public life. So both mom and dad, Mary and Joseph, in a certain sense, Mary in a real sense, brought Christ into the world. Mary by her yes and in incarnating him, and Joseph by his training, his formation, his correction, his example, brought Christ into his public life. And Lord, what do we have to learn here? Let's read the Annunciation to St. Joseph. Very similar. And there's a lot of um, material for our own personal prayer. Now the birth of Jesus, this is from Matthew 18, 118. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child of the Holy Spirit. And tradition has it, I mean, this is not the norm, and I would not recommend it unless there was certain inspiration that was crystal clear. They were both committed to celibacy. I mean, you had to get married. The whole notion of freedom was not as developed as it is today. You know, yeah, you're marrying her. Well, I may not like it. It doesn't matter. We like it. You might, your parents like it, and that's the important thing. It's not important whether you're in love or not. Um, that comes after the I do. And we, we may say, boy, I'm glad things change. Well, I don't know if we have it, if, if it's all that great right now, but that's, that's a different topic. Um, so their marriage was prearranged. The parents... Uh, of Joseph selected Mary and, and vice versa. The parents agreed to it. And uh, they were both very special, very holy. And uh, so 
both would be the right man and wife, husband and wife. And tradition also has it that Mary knew he committed to celibacy and vice versa, and so it would work out. And she had that reputation. She blended into society. She, didn't, she wasn't bombastic. They didn't say, well, this is the future assumption or the future queen of heaven and earth. But she certainly made an impression of purity, of humility, of, and both of them did. And so when she was pregnant, he knew this was preternatural. Again, more of tradition. It's not dogma, but he, he sensed that this was very preternatural and thought, well, maybe I should put her away because uh, I'm out of my league. And he put her away privately because um, if the penalty for getting pregnant out of wedlock w would be stoning, especially if you're married or betrothed. She was found to be with child of the Holy Spirit, and her husband Joseph, being a just man, holy man, and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to send her away quietly. So we see this compassionate side to him, this, this love and this sensitivity to his wife, even though this is, you know, Unprecedented. Never, it is unprecedented. Never will ha never happened before. Never will happen again. But as he considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, just like the patriarch jo Joseph, son of David. Do not fear to take Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And so what we have here, it's not explicitly stated, but it's implied. He said he laid down his life for his son, just like Mary did. And we learn from Joseph that we need to formulate a disposition. If we're going to bring Christ into the world, beginning with our own family, we always need that starting point. I want to give it all. In installments, little by little, but you know, we don't have you know, unlimited time. But I want to say yes to you, Lord. That's how we bring Christ into the world. And they Mary in her way and Joseph in his way. St. Jose Maria had a lot of devotion to Joseph. Joseph was one, he, here's St. Jose Maria, in Joseph's workshop in Christ's Passing By that I really recommend. Joseph was one of the few craftsmen in Nazareth, if not the only one, a carpenter perhaps. But as normally happens in villages, he must have felt called upon to turn his attention to other things, fixing a mill that was not working, or with the coming of winter, repairing the tiles of a roof. I am sure Joseph knew how to lend a hand in many difficulties with work well done. His skilled work was in the service of others, to brighten the lives of other families in the town, and with a smile, a friendly word, 
or what might have seemed to be just a passing remark, he would restore faith and happiness to those in danger of, of losing them. And in the midst of all that, he formed his own son. And as we start to wind down our prayer here, number one, that we learn from Joseph to say yes to our Lord. And number two, we have to see that the gospel is lived. Every word of it, the especially, you know, we little special attention to the cross, is worked out, is lived out in a number of scenarios that you are very familiar with, which is part of your life, more your life than mine, in service leadership at home, to be a real, to, to have that heart of a father, that we lead, but we lead with service. I mean, there is a crisis of fatherhood here. And also it's played out in our work. That's what Joseph is telling us. Again, it applies to you more than me. Uh, it doesn't apply to me right now. Um, spousal love. I mean, Joseph is a great saint because he really, no one loved the wife as much as he did. Um, it played out in his fatherhood. And his fatherhood extended to others as well. His he was a just man, so he was a, a, a man of deep prayer. I mean, our Lord is a man. So, yeah, he learned to pray through Joseph. His, his, his teachings on, on, on prayer, it's a little bit mysterious, but, you know, Joseph had a lot to do with teaching our Lord how to teach prayer. You don't just learn by osmosis if you're a human. You know, so, uh, Joseph was a man of, of sacrifice, and he didn't cower at contradiction. He didn't question God's will. I mean, he had to leave his, his hometown and go to Egypt. He could have said, well, if he's the son of God, I mean, he's not, he shouldn't be killed before he's age two. No, he, so he was, he, he was a leader. He was a father. And he did things punctually. He left that night when he had that dream that Herod was out to kill his son. I got this quotation, we finish up, this uh, Jewish woman convert, uh, the, the wife of Jacques Maritain, and I, I, I found it, just found it accidentally. I guess there's no accident. And she says the following, beneath obscure appearances of the duties of every moment hides the divine will these are like sacraments of the present moment. Joseph, pray for us so that we use you as a role model and we pray to you to help us give ourselves to your son and my Lord and Savior amid my family life, my spousal love, my work, and my prayer. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you've communicated to me in this meditation, I ask your help in putting them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.